Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 29th. This is your host, Anastasia Glova. Big decision issued by the Supreme Court earlier this week. In a 5-4 ruling, the court dealt a huge blow Monday to the 2002 McCain-Feingold law that prohibited targeted TV ads close to elections. Commenting on the decision and its impact today is Cato's Director of the Center for Representative Government, John Samples. Briefly, what was the question before the court in FEC versus Wisconsin right to life? It was a case of a so-called as-applied challenge, which is the way McCain-Feingold was applied to a particular group, which was the Wisconsin right to life group. They had tried to run some ads in 2004 that were essentially trying to get people to call Senator Russ Feingold, who was running for re-election in that year. And they couldn't do it because they had accepted money from other corporations. They were an incorporated entity. They were a corporation. And those kinds of – a corporation can't give money to campaigns. It can't have advertisements that directly advocate the election or defeat of candidates. So Wisconsin Right to Life was out of luck. They violated McCain-Feingold if they did grassroots lobbying. Now, the Supreme Court's decision to strike down provisions of McCain-Feingold appears to be a victory for free political speech. So to what extent is this true? It's certainly a victory for political speech, but we're not sure how far it goes beyond just the case facts that we had before us of Wisconsin right to life and grassroots lobbying. They didn't formally strike down as unconstitutional the part of McCain-Feingold that was at issue. However, it looks like that Justice Roberts set out a test that will make it all but impossible to actually use McCain-Feingold to suppress the kind of speech that these groups want to take part in. So as a matter of fact, the law survives, but in reality, it may no longer be applied to any particular kind of a group or individual. So in that sense, it's dead in reality. The ostensible intent of campaign finance reform was to limit corruption among public officials. Was McCain-Feingold, at least in this capacity, an effective or even appropriate law? Well, I think you have to be careful with campaign finance regulation because people tend to, and you're right, the idea of corruption is one that, you know, it's not one that's defensible, bribery and that kind of thing. However, it's pretty clear from the history of campaign finance regulation that the primary purpose is not actually preventing corruption. The anti-corruption rationale is more an excuse than anything else, that the laws themselves reflect an attempt to change the political process, to make sure that one side or the other is benefited, that it's usually one political party or the other is supposed to do better under the laws. So the regulations are passed with the idea of stopping corruption. Very often, as with McCain-Feingold, there's not a lot of evidence that there's corruption caused by what they're doing. Because you have to remember, for example, with McCain-Feingold, one thing they did was make it difficult for groups to run ads that were harshly critical of candidates for office. Well, what people were doing was, you know, spending money to support these ads. And they were harshly critical. That's true. But all they're doing is putting information out into the election. Most voters ignore it. Some might be affected by it. But they weren't doing anything that could actually lead directly to corruption. They were providing more information, and the information threatened members of Congress. That's the real truth. It's not really anti-corruption that was at stake with McCain-Feingold. 
I wonder if this ruling will really have any kind of an impact on the 2008 election, because since so much of the unorthodox campaign technology is now being used, uh, YouTube, for example, I wonder if television advertising is still as potent a medium as it was years ago. Yeah, the other thing to remember is McCain-Feingold doesn't apply to the Internet. And so far, the Internet has been very successful. One of the big failings of McCain-Feingold, where it came up short, was that they tried to impose it on the Internet, and people were able to fight that off. I think that's a good point. I'm not sure how much effect it'll have because there's other ways to organize and to get information through. And people are always able, in a lot of ways, to find ways around the system. The other question is, people tend to assume, you know, will we go back to the way things were in the 1990s where groups were spending a lot of money on on these kinds of ads? Everyone who supports McCain-Feingold says, oh, yes, that'll happen. It's for sure the whole system will break down again. But that's sort of chicken little in a way. The sky is falling. We don't know that at all that these groups are going to want to run the same kinds of ads. That's part one. Part two is... The decision itself, in my view, is a little weaker than it should have been in protecting the rights of these people to run these kinds of ads. Justice Roberts has left the door open a little bit for, I think, for the government to regulate and to make difficult the running of these ads and for some technical reasons and the kinds of language that are in the opinion. So it may turn out that election lawyers will tell corporations, will tell labor unions, that they have to be careful in certain ways, and they can't say certain things, and they can't have ads of a certain way. So I'm, I'm not sure we're going to, on both counts, the new ways of organizing and what people will actually do with broadcast ads that we're going to have a big difference. Thank you, John. And thanks, as always, for listening to the Cato Daily Podcast. See you next time.